Hi, welcome to the Anvil Podcast from Church's Bookshop. That's Linda. That's Georgia. And that's Andrew. And we're here to talk about some of the major issues affecting Christians today, how they affect us personally, and um, hopefully through our discussions to sharpen and challenge each other's faith, and maybe yours as well. Yeah. Um, we come from a range of different denominational backgrounds, um, and all the views we're going to talk about today are our personal views. They're not the views of any organisation we represent. Absolutely. And this week, we're going to be talking about denominations. There are a lot of them, obviously. Um, maybe we should start by discussing where each of us have, have come from, because I think that, that paints a picture. Yeah. Um, yeah. Linda? Good idea. So I've been a bit of everything, really. Um, Baptist. Um, I've kind of come full circle, because I was Baptist for my early years. I've been in a Pentecostal church for a while, Elam Pentecostal. I've been non-denominational, um, and I've been Methodist. I work for Methodist Church. Um yeah, bit of everything really. Almost the whole set. Almost. I've not been an Anglican, unless you count going on Christmas. Okay. Yes, but again, I have done a huge, hugely wide range really. I grew up initially in a Methodist church, um, then I was in a non-denominational church for a while, um, back in a Methodist church, then I was Anglican, then I was Baptist, and now I'm back to the Methodists again. I seem to keep coming back to being a Methodist. Um, mm. But I was also, for a while, I volunteered in a retirement home, and one of my roles was to take the residents to um, church services. So at that time, I went to basically any denomination you can imagine sometimes. So I'm also a mix of denominations. I was brought up in... Um, well, it was technically a Baptist church, um, but it wasn't part of the Baptist Union. It was a, an independent church, but it signed up to the Evangelical Alliance. Mm. So it was a very evangelical Baptist church. Um, then I attended another Baptist church, which was a lot more standard Baptist, sort mm. of relatively traditional um, church. Um, then I did Methodist. Um, I worked for Methodist church, um, Anglican, high Anglican. And then um, I've ended up in Methodist again. And in between that, I've sort of visited a few different churches. Spent some time in Kenya, so I went to some non-denominational churches there, um, which were very different. Um, but like like Georgia, I keep coming back to Methodism. Funny that. It's interesting. The, uh, the, the major denomination, I guess, that we haven't mentioned is Catholic. Yeah. Um, um, so none of us are Catholic. No. Um, I have been to a few Catholic services, hmm. but I've never attended a Catholic church. Yeah, but the the bookshop does have quite a lot of Catholic client, clients. Customers. Customers. Yeah. Uh, the bookshop does have a lot of Catholic customers and stock quite a lot of their stuff on, on your shelves. And yeah. I think we've learnt a lot about Catholicism since we started working in a bookshop and learnt a lot of the differences between hmm. um, Catholicism and Protestantism, which is where we're our background is, really. Yeah. But I said that, I think we've still got a lot to learn. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're we're not fully representative. We, we're all Protestant. Mm. Um, we've all sort of come to a sort of perhaps a slightly evangelical Pentecostalish background. I would say that wasn't true of me. But... Okay, but you did go to the independent one in the states. <laughs> I did, yes. And the Methodist church I grew up in was very modern for a Methodist church. But yeah. I don't think I've ever really been Pentecostal or evangelical. Fair mm. enough. But sort of gravitated into you know Baptist, Methodist, sort of yeah. that sort of. So it's interesting, isn't it? Because there's so many different reasons that you might choose one denomination over another. Um, yeah. It could be theology, it could be preference of worship style. Mm. I mean, how important do we think denomination is? I think it's becoming less so. Yeah. 
I was going to say that I, I think actually I traditionally would have said it wasn't very important and I mm. think in the last couple of years I've come to really appreciate where it is important and where it mm. does have a lot of value. Mm. I think it's in a broader sense becoming less important so denominations kind of are, are spreading they're, mm. they're, we, we don't like denominations splitting and we hope that doesn't happen but they do tend to spread so you have you know Methodist churches that are almost evangelical mm. or you know a Baptist church that's I went to a Baptist mm. church that was almost Catholic um, not mm. quite but you know I, you have that sort of spread where denominations are getting broader and, mm. and as they get wider I think often it means that the, the saying you go to a Baptist church doesn't necessarily mean the same thing anymore yeah it's it's not that you would identify yourself as I'm a Baptist or I am a um, yeah, unless you're a staunch Methodist, you get a lot of staunch Methodists. <laughs> but I think even there, I think the newer generations are less likely to be really sort of attached to one denomination. And I mean, I think obviously we've all experienced a lot of different denominations, and I mm. think that's because we would primarily identify ourselves as Christian rather than as belonging mm. to a specific denomination. Whereas I think for some people in older generations, there's mm. been more of a tendency to the identity yeah. is very much that they are a Methodist well, or they are a Baptist or whatever the yeah. case may be. Well, you, you want to get into generational theory. People talk about millennials having um, little to no brand loyalty. And I don't really want to discuss a church as a brand. Well, I don't Pepsi think that's though, fair. Pepsi, I'm you, a Pepsi you're, person. And I'm a Coke person. Um, but yeah, not the but that's, that's not the topic. <laughs> <laughs> but I think... Um, so, yeah, what's your opinion on Coke or Pepsi? Um, for me, I, I, I will quite openly say that if I'm in a church and I feel that it isn't serving my spiritual needs best and I can't serve there the best. I think mm. that's the key thing because the criticism becomes that you, you pick and choose a church and I think that's bad as well. Church shouldn't be like a like a fast food menu where you're picking just yeah, what you sure. want. And you're never going to find the perfect church. No. no. But I also think sometimes people use that as a, almost a disclaimer. Like if you're coming to my church or don't say anything bad about yeah. it because you're never going to find the perfect yeah. church. And I think... Sometimes it can be used in quite a damaging Absolutely. way. Absolutely, and we should be aiming towards perfection. Yeah, be perfect, as your Heavenly Father is yeah. perfect. We're not going to get there, but no, I think... We don't yeah. need to beat ourselves up when we don't, but mm. that should be, you know, what we're, we're aiming to improve ourselves always as Christians and as mm. churches. Mm. Absolutely, and I think, you know, that, that pastor once said in, in a sermon, said, um, if you ever find the perfect church, run away, because if you join it, you'll ruin it. Oh, it's so <laughs> true, um, I know I would. Say, so for me, the big question is, you know, can I, uh, can I serve here? And can I be part of this family? Because if, if church is family, then it is important that you're, you're going to one where you feel comfortable. So if yeah. I'm in a church and I don't feel welcome or I feel that I just don't fit in, mm. yes, on the one hand, it should spend time trying to talk to people, but sometimes it is time to move on. Mm. And the image I love with that is um, if you sit on a big ice cube. Why would you do that? It would be really cold. That's a, no, that's a fair thing to say. Um, if you're sat on a big ice cube, um, which would be like a church that's... Um... <laughs> I can't take this analogy seriously. This is a serious analogy. Okay, okay explain so, yourself. Okay, you're sat on a big ice cube, which would be like a church which is not... Just pick a different word. I can't... Don't have a different word. Say if a seal was sat on a big ice cube. No, it doesn't work if I say that. Oh. What about a penguin? What about a block of ice? Okay, a block of ice. Okay, a bit less is funny. Sat on another block of no, ice. No, no. <laughs> and for reasons best known to himself, is sat on a block of ice. Okay, I'm for reasons best known to myself, sat on a block of ice, and the block of ice represents a, a church which is perhaps not not helping me reach God. I'm not able to serve, Stop. and if I'm so sorry. <laughs> 
I think we're going to do some editing here. I'm blaming Linda. Um, basically, um, for anyone who wants to know, if you're sat on the ice and the ice is melting, if things are getting better, you're able to help them build into that church, that's a good thing. But if the ice is freezing you, if you're in a church and it is dragging your face down, well, your face mm. has to come first, doesn't it? Mm. And at that point, I think, yeah, absolutely move. And that, that isn't an invitation to church hop. It isn't an invitation mm. to keep going and finding the perfect place or complaining about every church. Mm. You can complain about any church, but we can all think about of a few things at our church we'd like to change. Definitely not. Nothing at all. <laughs> no, no, nothing. But I think being able to be content in, in human imperfection, but also... Mm. Is, is good... Also aiming towards better. I mean, I think yeah. that's what we were saying earlier, that you're striving to, to make your church, as a whole church, you're striving to become a more godly church and a mm. more welcoming church, mm. but you're also patient with each other. And I think talking about denominations, one of the things that is probably more important to me than it used to be is about, how, is about the leadership and mm. how does your church leadership respond. Mm. And are they solely answerable to God? Is there some kind of safety net there mm. where people can challenge the leadership or the leadership are in a position to be challenged by one another? Like yeah. It's, yeah. Like it's in the a accountability. Of, yeah. Because um, yeah, if you have a, the all-powerful leader who's only accountable to God, that works really well if you've got a leader who is faithful, a leader who is really open and, and self-aware, mm. but it's very vulnerable. And it, it works really well in a cult as well. Yeah. It does, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's a, George and I were actually watching a documentary um, about Westboro Baptist Church. Mm. Google it if you don't know it. It's <laughs> crazy. And one thing we see there is it's that same pattern of that leader who cannot be questioned and mm. cannot be held accountable. And it can just result in disaster. But then I think, um, like you're saying about what you've, you've found that's become increasingly important, I suppose one of the ways in which I do see some real value in denominations is it. Christianity is a very large spectrum, and Christians are on a very large spectrum of different mm. different people who find different things helpful and have different preferences and have different things that are really important to them. And I think that's that's one of the ways in which denominations can be very, very useful, because you know when you're walking into a church. I mean, as Andrew says, they're spreading, but you do have a rough sense still of how the sort of structure of the church mm. works and what kind of wavelength they're going to be on. So you sort of know whether it's, it's a church that's likely to work for you and your needs and your preferences. Mm. And while I think it's great for us to all work together and to all identify as one mm. big body of Christ, it is also important to find the things that work for you and help you to connect to God and help you feel comfortable in a church. Yeah. And I think a lot of people will badmouth the church for the fact that it has so many denominations mm. and it, they might see that as, oh, you're all just arguing amongst yourselves yeah. about what you believe. But I actually think there's a real strength in that and it shows a diversity yeah mm. that we're not all clones of one another yeah, yeah. and we feel we, able to have yeah. different opinions on some things and interpret yeah. things a bit differently and that all comes under the same umbrella of Christianity yeah, but I do I do think that there is a real strength when people from yeah. different denominations mm. are able to work together yeah. on a common yeah. goal go yeah. ecumenicalism mm. I think yeah. to, to quote Father Ted that would be an ecumenical matter. No, no, you have to say it in the accent. I can't do the accent. You, have, you can't quote Father Ted and not do it in the okay. accent. Would you like to? No. <laughs> but I didn't say I was going to quote Father Ted. Fair enough. I I can't do the accent, so... Okay. We'll, have to just we'll just have to cut that part out of the video now. <laughs> I do the editing. Um, <laughs> one thing that sort we've of talked about leadership, I've worked in a number of different churches as a youth worker, and I do find that leadership structure that it affects the whole church. And when you're working there, you really feel it. Can you question? 
is there someone where if you're having trouble with one person with a leader, if, if there's a, a relationship issue there where you're just not quite sure, are they expecting you to come to them? Or are they accepting that actually they're not always the best person? Is there someone to look after you pastorally? Mm. And I think one of the things I like about the Methodist Church for me is that the minister is very accountable. Mm. You know, the minister's looking after several churches and each of the churches has a council mm. that is actually, there. that's where the power is, as it were. Yeah. It's spread. And so the minister can, yeah, absolutely has the authority to, to start sort of changing things and trying to push things through, mm. but needs the council on side. And if the minister goes too far, there's someone who can call them to account. And equally, at the end of um, the term, if the church doesn't want the minister to stay, they don't stay. Yeah. And I think sometimes I've seen cases where you see a minister or vicar, pastor, any word you want to use, in a church they've been there for 10, 20, 30 years. And it is where you think, actually, there's, there's, there needs to be change sometimes, mm. I think, in churches to keep them alive. It's not meant to be a museum that stays stationary. And sometimes sure. I think someone is called to one place for a long time, don't get me wrong. Mm. But For instance, I'm never going to leave the island. For instance, you're... <laughs> Linda is never going to leave the island. You heard it here today. <laughs> but at the same time, I think for a church, oft, often that one person, it, it becomes a case of clinging on to something that isn't there anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And change can help us grow, I think. And it is painful. Mm. Being Becoming stagnant is always a danger, I mm. think. Yeah. And particularly for millennials, people of our generation, stagnant is a word I'd often use to describe churches. If, I, if I'm honest, I find mm. a lot of churches I've been to where they're the clinging to the systems that have worked before. Hmm. And that isn't any one denomination, to bring it back on topic. Hmm. It's not like, you know, well, Baptists do this and Methodists do that. Actually, no, there's, in both of those cases, in Anglican, there are those who are really looking to the future and evolving and moving into something new. And I think Jesus is always trying to move us to a new place. That doesn't mean there aren't times of rest, but being open to change, I think, is it's vital. I don't think... I don't think it's an option. I don't think change is optional within okay. the church. And when it stops becoming a possibility, when it, or when people start saying, no, we don't want to change, hmm. then I think is where you get churches which are are dead. So I'm just interested. What is it that you guys look for when you're trying to decide what church you want to go to in terms of what denomination? The quality of the biscuits. No. <laughs> <laughs> it would not be a Methodist if it was about the biscuits. Sorry, Methodists, but they do tend to be soggy. Oh. <laughs> Brutal. Oh yeah, really. <laughs> you upset a lot of methods. Yeah, we might have to need to cut that bit out. <laughs> well, they do good I cake. like life. They, they do, do good, good, really good, really cake. good cake, and they do really, really good catering generally. But yeah. the biscuits are always talking. You're listening to us talk about the biscuits and cakes at Methodist churches. <laughs> so obviously, we don't make decisions based on anything important. No, I think that that's the accusation thrown at millennials, yeah. isn't it? But. I think for me, a really big part of it is about a feeling of church family, and mm. I don't think there's, I don't think that's really a denominational thing so much as an individual church thing. Um, but I think it is really important for me to be in a church where I feel like we really are acting like a family, and we kind of have each other's backs mm. and we're aware of each other's struggles, and yeah. I mean, that's very important yeah. to me. When I was younger, the one thing I always looked for was the worship style. Mm. For me, the work I what I wanted modern worship. You know, if it was an organ, I was falling asleep which I did want. Um, <laughs> and I wanted good music. And as I've got a bit older, and I've been, I think God's put me in churches, particularly where I've worked in a church, so it's not like I can just choose to pop along somewhere else on a Sunday, I'm working, mm-hmm. where it is very traditional. And the challenge that for me there was actually, no, I don't need them to change, I need to, I need to learn, and I need to learn to worship in this way. So now I actually look more, it's the teaching. 
I mean, it's really important. Is do I respect the minister? Do they earn respect? I think yes, I mm. respect for everybody as people, absolutely. But for me, a minister or a vicar, they've got to earn that position of authority mm-hmm. to me. And that doesn't mean I'm waiting, you know, judging them and marking them. <laughs> when I'm scribbling notes, it's not for that. Yeah. But what I do want to know is, are they? Do they have integrity? Are they living what they preach? Mm. Are they preaching things that? that fit in with God even if they're different from how most people understand the Bible even if they're ideas that seem quite far out there can they defend it with scripture and can they do so gently but with authority and with with real a real heart to find the truth Mm. I think that for me is is really important and part of that comes from having seen the damage that bad bad church leaders can do and Mm. damage they can do to the spiritual life of their congregation sure I like. I I think I agree. I think leadership would be really high up on my what what I would look for in in a church um, and teaching leadership and teaching, um, but also, yeah, I think I would have always said that family thing was quite high up for me. I don't think I would go somewhere that welcomed me and made me feel part of the family, if I didn't also yeah, you'd have need more to it than that. That and worship style isn't very important to me. I do have a preference. And that preference is not let's keep repeating this chorus because the worship leader is really engaging with it and is having a a wonderful experience of the Holy Spirit when other people might not be in the church. So I'm in a struggle with that sort of setting, but I could make my peace with it as long as the teaching... And and I think that earning the respect of the leadership as well, definitely. Um, If anyone's wondering what that noise is, there's a a little heater in here um, to keep the books nice and warm. So um, Aww, that's what's that's just kicked nice. on. Yeah. We should get them little jackets. And they the little do. They're called dust jackets. Oh, okay. <laughs> they are a lot less cute than what you were thinking. <laughs> yeah, we um, should knit them little like blankets yeah. and stuff. Yeah, for next time. Oh, okay. Do you think we are typical of millennials of our generation? No, <laughs> definitely not. No, we're not typical of anything. So, so why, why are we even doing this? <laughs> we do not represent the millennial generation um, at all. So what do you think if you were? talking to a church leader and they were asking you well how do we attract millennials into our church what do you think they need um i think i think we're a generation of thinkers so i think don't try and use sales tactics to get millennials into your church Uh, it's not about numbers through the door it's about being real um i think that we are quite good at seeing through and to be quite jaded actually yeah. Yeah. Uh, millennial generation have experienced being sold things that didn't turn out to be true we're mm. not going to go into the generational politics <laughs> yeah. um i am not qualified to talk about <laughs> that but um for me if i went to church and, and i get the sense that they're welcoming me but they're welcoming me because they want something from me mm. either they just want the millennial in the church for their numbers mm. or they want someone else to help out with the youth group mm. or the sunday school i can tell you can tell, and I'm happy to go out the door. Yeah, and I think also I'd agree with Linda. I think we're very shut down by inauthenticity and by sort of cheesiness, really, as mm. well, actually. I don't think that goes over very well. I no longer wear Smile Jesus Christy <laughs> stickers. You should. Or WWJD wristbands with a rainbow one. Okay. Can you even get them anymore? I'm sure you can. I will have to have a look. That was some in a box in there <laughs> from years ago. Um, the other thing I think that... I was in a church and I was asked my opinion on some changes um, because they had the the steering group was made up entirely of baby boomers and they said oh we need a millennial so they got me on and the issue then was that there was one millennial and five baby boomers and so I was always voted down Mm. and the one thing they wanted to do that actually scared me was 
and they wanted to put up a sign in the church saying, you know, this is how much it costs to run the church every day. Sorry, Georgia. Okay. Day, please give. And I just know, if I walked into church and saw that sign, I wouldn't... Oh, no. And it's not that I don't want to give to church. Mm. I do. That's but... not a good way to get us to respond positively to that no. message. Mm. And when churches are tight for money, the message of give, give, give becomes yeah. can become all-encompassing. And actually, I will message give... The message should be faith, faith, faith. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. In faith and then... Yeah. You know, and if I'm going to start giving money to church at the point where I feel like I trust the church yeah. and where I've bought into the mission and bought into yeah. the church, I don't, I'm not going to give money because I think the building's pretty. No, we mm. want to really believe in something, I yeah. think, and really feel part of something. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, when it's the roof appeal, yes, your roof appeal's important, but if a millennial's been to five churches, they've all had a roof appeal, yeah. start yeah. wondering if where the money can be spent on something other than roofs. Yeah. Not that roofs aren't important, of course. And I think this is a generation that is really passionate about community and mm. family and is yeah. always looking for that because, um, nope, I had a point, but it's gone. <laughs> Something That's about fine. hashtag squad goals, yeah, all yeah. that stuff, like it seems really cheesy and yeah. oh, it's all for the Instagram likes yeah. and it's all for the, the pictures and but to look. What but is it, Instagram yeah. but a community? Mm. It, Yes, it is used in case where you have people who are taking photos just to show, show off a bit. Yeah. I'm sure there are people who do that, but actually a lot of people, I mean, I'm on Instagram. When I'm on Instagram, I'm not showing off, I'm sharing a community, and so mm-hmm. my interest, I keep tropical fish. Yeah. I take photos of them, put them online, and people on the other side of the world who also keep tropical fish are able to engage with that. Mm-hmm. And that sounds a lot sweeter than it was. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's all about connection, isn't it? <laughs> Bringing us back on topic and away from fish. <laughs> But yeah, I think it's all about trying to build connections and mm. wanting to really connect with people. Um, and we're doing that in a different way, perhaps, to previous generations because of social media. But I think that 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 wish to, to find that connection and to meet other people is still very much present. And I guess all of that stuff can be achieved in any denomination. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, and I think you can rely on, you know, on a millennial to say, you know, oh, I'm a Methodist, so I will go to a Methodist mm. church. No, if I move... I'll find the church around yeah. the area that, that fits yeah, and that feels authentic. Yeah. Um, and equally, I won't necessarily go to the closest church. We no. don't. We live, no. we live, you know, half an hour from our church. On the Isle of Man, that's a long way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we live half an hour from our church. It's mm-hmm. not the closest mm-hmm. church, but, but it's yeah, the church it's we feel at home in. You're more likely to connect to an individual church than to a denomination, mm-hmm. I suppose. So, uh, so we're pretty much coming up for time. Is there anything else? Any particular thoughts you have on the topic of denomination? Um, I think the last one I have is... I said a bit earlier on in the video that I have come over the last year or so to really actually appreciate and value denominations, even though I probably wouldn't consider myself wedded to any particular one. And I think part of the reason for that is going back to what we've been saying about leadership and accountability. And I think I've seen that the real advantage of denominations is that if you've got a big sort of organisation that has a lot of churches underneath it, it might seem like a lot of bureaucracy, but what it does do is it provides a level of accountability and you know what those all of those churches stand for and you know that they're going to be rooted in genuine biblical teaching and scriptural teaching and they're not just kind of loose canons and I think I've come to really value the importance of that and the importance of knowing that all of the people preaching in that denomination are trained and they know what they're talking about and they've really got the background knowledge and they're coming from a certain viewpoint you sort of know what you're getting and it's very safe. I guess for me I think what I've said is be proud of your denomination which goes against a lot of what I've said um, but I think denominations ultimately they are different expressions of faith and they all have strengths and weaknesses every mm-hmm. single one 
every church I've walked into has, and every denomination has some things they do well and better than any other, mm. and some things they do a lot worse. Sure. And I think be proud of the strengths, you know, be proud of the history of your denomination. So, you know, we, we're going to a Methodist church. We hear a lot about Wesley, mm. about John Wesley, but actually John Wesley was a great man. Mm. So let's be proud of that, but not let it divide us. Let's not think, yeah. you know, well, we're Methodists, so we're better. Actually, there are other aspects of of faith that others get better than us i think that humility mm. while saying you know this is what's great and carrying that forward and sharing it yeah. and that's how the church gets yeah. stronger it doesn't, learn from each other. it's yeah. it's it's maybe like a big muddy puddle of different viewpoints different practices different beliefs but ultimately we are one puddle so almost like iron sharpens iron <laughs> yes absolutely that's about time for today so if you like that then please give us a comment what do you think about denominations um, is there a particular denomination that you think that we haven't covered that you want to talk um, like to let us know about? <laughs> there are lots. And also, just uh, what are your thoughts on denominations? Are they important? Do you identify as a Christian or as a Methodist Baptist Anglican? A Methodist Baptist Anglican sounds like a super denomination. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm off topic. Um, if you enjoyed it, please um, do like and share. Um, tell your friends about it. We'll see you next week. And um, Linda, what are we talking about next week? Something like maybe men. Yes. Mental health. Do you want me to ask that question again? No, that's fine. Keep it in. Okay. <laughs> that's Linda. That's Georgia. And that's Andrew. And we've been the Anvil. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.